0: Hello, I'm Nick Miller, making my way to the studio to record my podcast this week. But sans dog on this occasion, she's hanging out with friends. But I do have a few thoughts to share with you, fellow dog owners, in this very episode. Uh, We'll be looking back at and forward to the events of the week in politics and sport and trivial shit, including the first eviction on I'm a Celebrity. And the shocking news is that it turns out there's someone less popular than Matt Hancock. Actually, to be fair, Russia's defence minister, Sergei Levrov, is significantly less popular than Matt Hancock. And I've got the inside story on why he's such a miserable bastard. He looks like a bloke who's had 50 quid on Tony Adams to win Strictly. It was King Charles' 74th birthday this week. I was, of course, at the party. Princess Anne brought the games. Queen Camilla brought the game. She saw Father Christmas flying over the palace and shot a couple of reindeer. Uh, I'll have this week's Joe Biden's so old he can't remember where he is joke. And I'll be discussing Donald Trump's I'm running for president again joke. Oh, shit, that wasn't a joke. Uh, The World Cup of Qatar. I'm a big football fan and it all kicks off today, but I won't be watching a single minute and I'll tell you why. And my guest this week is the seasoned breakfast radio legend himself, Neil Long. When I say seasoned, we've bunged him in the oven with some oregano and a sprig of parsley. He's always cooking on gas. He'll be telling us about dipping his toes in the murky waters of stand-up comedy. All of the above and more besides, interrupted very rudely, but with such a plomb, and with a voice so velvety smooth that it was made entirely out of one of Barry Manlow's old velvet suits by Old Lottery Balls himself, the legendary Alan
1: Dedicoat, Nick Miller, a bit like a proper broadcaster, only cheaper.
0: It's been a week which thankfully saw little action from those people who glue themselves to things and burble on about stopping oil or insulating the loft or whatever. But there was one minor incident when a 23-year-old student, and it's always a student, isn't it? They've obviously got no lectures to go to, uh, from the University of York threw an egg at King Charles and Camilla. Now, if you're going to throw an egg at the new monarch at a time when there's a national shortage of eggs due to bird flu, that's one thing. But if you're gonna throw an egg at the new monarch and witter on about slavery or ecology or whatever, then at least try not to miss. Apparently, Patrick Thelwell, 23, I believe that's his IQ, has since been trolled on social media and some idiots have even threatened to behead him. It's perhaps a bit harsh, but I I guess if you accuse the modern day monarchy of being responsible by uh, by dint of heritage or whatever for medieval slavery, then I guess then was the brakes. But, as someone once said, they couldn't troll you on social media back then, so they just chopped your head off. And Cristiano Ronaldo, in his explosive interview with Piers Morgan, that's how uh, Talk TV described it, it's not my adjective, says, um, I now see football as a business, to be honest. (laughs) Crikey, I I, I, I don't suppose anyone's ever thought of that before. Football as a business? They'll be paying Ronaldo to play next. By George, he might be onto something he said people should listen to what he has to say from his mouth which for someone who spent an hour and a half with peers talking through his arse, is quite a revelation it was uh, <laughs> it was also a, a week for political photo and video opportunities there was jeremy hunt pictured on the day after the autumn statement for some reason wandering around a school and leaning over pupils in a class pretending to help them with their maths or whatever with that very strange smile of his looking every inch the creepy uncle who hangs around the swings and we saw Rishi Sunak and President Macron running up to each other at COP27, looking like a couple of long-distance star-struck lovers reuniting on the station platform as one of them stepped down off the train. It was a beautiful moment. And the UN says the world's population has hit 8 billion, just 11 years after passing the 7 billion milestone, which just goes to show you, you can't ignore Boris Johnson for five minutes before he's got another one on the way. <laughs> It's the Sunday Miller. And then, of course, there was Joe Biden, who was actually in Phnom Penh, the capital city of Cambodia, where he sat with the Prime Minister of Cambodia and said, I'd like to thank the Prime Minister of Colombia for his leadership. must have come as something of a shock for the people of Cambodia to discover they'd accidentally elected the Prime Minister of Colombia. But then Biden did recently accuse President Putin of invading Russia. But fear not, Donald Trump has launched a third bid for the White House. We're all saved! Ironically, he announced this at his own home in Palm Beach, Florida, a strange house called Mar-a-Lago, where where the the governor of Florida is the man he calls Ron DeSantis, the man who was uh, recently re-elected as governor with a landslide. Ron DeSantis, who's tipped to beat Trump to the Republican nomination for 2024. Ron lacks... What he lacks is that great campaign slogan. Trump... Trump's a tramp. Donald Trump. Trump said, We're going to make America great again. America's comeback starts right now. Which is a good one, but not quite as good as Mike Pence. You remember Trump's former vice president when they were attempting to win a second term in 2019? Mike Pence said, We're going to make America great again. Again. Dear God, 2019. Count your blessings, Britain. Britain. Trump or Biden, it's a bit like one of those would-you-rather dilemmas. Would you Would you rather have an arsehole instead of a head or an arsehole in the White House?
1: The Sunday Miller. You wouldn't have to listen to this nonsense if you were in church. Today's a big day if you're into football, or it should
0: be. Uh, As for me, well, I'm a a big footy fan, but I'm starting my month-long one-man boycott today. I won't be watching any of it. I'll be that bloke on his own in the snug in the pub. they they still have snugs in pubs these days? If they don't, they should. When I was a kid, I watched Coronation Street with my mum, and they had a little separate room in the Rover's Return called The Snug. And Albert Tatlock used to sit in there in his flat cap, moaning about everything and everyone. that'll be me in my flat cap, in the snug, nursing half a pint of stout ignoring the telly, moaning about everything and everyone, especially the footballers and the FA and FIFA and the Qataris and Uncle Tom Copley and all. This is the week that the World Cup kicks off in Qatar. Well, today, in fact, four o'clock. And this is the week we discovered that being a Qatari World Cup ambassador is damaging the mind. I say that because Khalid Salman, a former Qatari footballer himself, told a German TV presenter, they have to accept our rules here homosexuality is haram you know what means haram well haram apparently means forbidden and as he explained to the german bloke and asked why it was forbidden mr salman said why is it haram because homosexuality is damage in the mind and uh, At which point he was dragged off by some FIFA officials or Qatari World Cup ambassadors or something because even they get embarrassed from time to time. Uh, this is where you'd want to send the German TV bloke home and get Ali G or Borat to step in just to see if the interview could get any more surreal. But look, giving the responsibility of hosting the World Cup it, it to Qatar in the first place is like asking Alec Baldwin to manage the Olympic rifle range. And Foreign Secretary James Cleverley caused controversy when he didn't help things when he told LBC that gay fans should subdue their behaviour. He said, I think he calls for a little bit of flex and compromise at both ends. Not helpful. That definitely would get them arrested.
1: Nick Miller, the voice of the common man. Very common.
0: It was King Charles' seventy-fourth birthday this week, as you probably know, and boy, what a party! We rocked the palace. So, of course, I was there. They were, they were swinging off the chandeliers and off the bunting. It was just tremendous. Uh, Charles doesn't do technology, so I was going to be the one to order the cheeky Nando's, but he got me to cancel when he realised that they, they don't do piri piri pheasant. So he sent Camilla out to shoot some game. She accidentally shot a couple of footmen, footmen by mistake, but I mean, it's easily done eventually came back with a stag over each shoulder. She got got the hump a bit when she realised it wasn't possible to get an entire elk in her new air fryer. We had um, jelly and ice cream for afters and then we all went back to Anne's house for party games. Now, if you think her son-in-law, Mike Tindall, is all very butch and gung-ho in the jungle, you want to try playing musical chairs with Princess Anne. We were running around the chairs, Agadoo on the gramophone, and I got the very last chair on the end, or at least I thought I had, until this... Solid concrete elbow nudged me off the chair. Trust me, when the Princess Royal glowers at you with that don't fuck with me expression of hers, trust me, you don't want to start questioning the rules of the house. She's always had that very strange sort of flattened beehive hairdo. Her and Jenny the vixen on the chase are the only two people in the world who have that haircut. And it, it looks like someone's wrapped a fishing net around a large boulder and nailed it to her head. Most importantly, Charles had a great party, pissed as a after half a glass of sherry. Happy as Larry, even despite Andrew outside looking on enviously, steaming up the window.
1: Nick Miller, the face for radio. The voice for a ransom demand.
0: I've mentioned before about my dog ownership and how you get to certain times of the year when the weather changes... And you think, oh, God, remind me, why did I get a dog again? This week's been the first week when it's been consistently wet and, and horrible and nasty and cold. And I, I would say more generally, if you're a pet owner, you'll know what I mean. But somehow I don't imagine you take your hamster out on a lead and watch it smelling lampposts and making a beeline for other hamsters' bottoms. I, I could be very wrong, but I'm sure you'll tell me otherwise. But, but fellow dog walkers... I don't know if you experience the same issues as myself, but people always want to know the, the the breed of your dog. I have a husky, and people do tend to say, oh, is she a husky? So when she's pulling hard on her lead, I use one of my very few dad dog jokes and say, yeah, I should, I should get myself a sledge, and let her do all the work. But once, the really irritating thing is, once she's done her business, <laughs> um, a walk that should take 10 minutes can last the best part of an hour, because she stops at absolutely everything to sniff... Trees and lampposts and bollards and whatever else. And whereas a, a sommelier can bore on about the soft tannins and subtle notes of different types of wine, my dog is a veritable sommelier of piss. She can smell a nettle for about twenty minutes, and I'm sure she's saying to other passing canines, Labrador Wednesday, subtle notes of Winelot. I'm sure. I'm sure if we could understand them when dogs actually speak to each other, which I'm sure they do through barking and telepathy or whatever, we'd be able to hear them say things like about me like so your your owner what 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 breed is he well we think he's half english half swiss we're not quite sure <laughs> half english half whitmore like
1: <laughs> the sunday miller more balls than the national lottery
0: now I mentioned earlier that I wasn't going to be watching a single minute of the World Cup because, well, of a myriad of reasons. Really, pardon me for getting a bit serious for once, but the the corrupt bidding, having a summer World Cup at Christmas, and of course using migrant slave workers from the Indian subcontinent and Asia and Africa, six and a half thousand of them have died of heat stroke, dehydration, or just falling off buildings whilst working on the construction of the seven new stadiums. And the, the, uh, the irony there is that apparently six of them are going to get knocked down again after the, after the World Cup finishes, because they just don't play football much over there. Uh, Funny, I think it's too hot. Uh, they should have thought of that before. Although, according to the, to the Qataris, it wasn't 6,500 who died. They obviously only have calculators with two digits. According to them, it was thirty-seven. Six and a half thousand people. To put this in context, that's more than twice the number who died in 9-11. But honestly, these moaning migrant workers, some of them are paid as much as 50 pence an hour for working an 18-hour day. But it's not all bad news. David Beckham is being paid £150 million by the Qataris for saying how lovely it is to live in a country where you can still get your hands chopped off for stealing a pair of gloves. And as for the LGBT plus issue... Fear not, the FA and the England team and the coaching staff have got it all sorted out. They're making a tough stand against all of that. Harry Kane's going to wear an armband with rainbow colours on it. (laughs) Take that, Qatari government. Anyway, excuse me, I'm just going to turn off my heating so I can save up some money for David Beckham's Just Giving page.
1: The Sunday Miller. Half an hour of your life you'll never get back.
0: Right, my, my guest today is uh, best known for doing what he does best, and has done for a remarkable thirty-one years in the radio business. You get less for murder, as they say. Neil Long, hello. Welcome. Is it really uh, thirty? How are you? Is it? Re-
2: I'm good, thank you. Is it really thirty-one years? That is absolutely crazy.
0: How? Did well, I- if your link, if your LinkedIn is to be believed, then yes, it is, and that, uh, yes. that as I understand, includes um, six years of Capital Radio, Sixteen years percent 16 years presenting The Breakfast Show on Radio Jackie. Actually, 19 now. What? 19 years, yeah. That's that's outrageous. Me and my
2: radio wife, so-called Nikki, uh, my co-presenter, we think we're the longest-running male-female
0: duo in the UK. Do you know, it's funny you say that, because I was just about to say... Have it, has it always been with your on-air radio wife? Nikki it has, Patrick. yeah. About that? Neil and Nikki in the
2: morning has it's become golden. a staple of South West London. God knows why. Poor misguided Gosh. people, but um, people seem to. We, we bicker like an m- old married couple. I think that's why people seem to like it. I've noticed. But yeah, three hours every morning, Monday to Friday, seven till ten.
0: That's quite a quite a stint, isn't it? That's Fifteen <laughs> hours a week with with your radio wife.
2: Yes, I mean we we are literally like a real husband and wife because we bicker endlessly and never have sex.
0: <laughs> well, on air, well, that would be difficult, wouldn't it? I would imagine. Especially uh, with a desk in the i don't know—in the middle. Of the get, get me on radiofail.com. Your website also says virtual parties. I suppose that was a COVID thing, was oh, it? Oh,
2: yes. This was born out of lockdown. I was sitting at home feeling really miserable because um, uh, there was a, all kinds of stuff. My mother had dementia and it was just a really shitty time. Can I say shitty? Sorry. It was a
0: really... Uh, yeah, of course. I'm so sorry to hear that.
2: It was a really, really bad time. Um, so rather than sitting there feeling sorry for myself, I thought, right, let's just set the decks up in the back room and broadcast a party over Facebook so within about three seconds flat I started getting messages from Facebook there's this very clever software that says you're playing stuff that you're not licensed to and I'm thinking well I've bought it so why can't i play it um yeah, but you obviously can't argue with an algorithm so we were a bit of an impasse and then mixcloud came along i don't know if you're familiar with mixcloud but it's basically where mobile d de- not um, not mobile mixing djs go and upload right, their, right. all their mixes to basically show off to each other and network and probably more show off but they brokered a deal with the prs so you could broadcast legally so all oh, right so, so you the, carried on doing
0: it on facebook on on mixcloud yeah Oh, I see.
2: Okay. On mixed cloud. Yeah. The but- mixed cloud have broken a deal where it could be done legally for something like nine pounds a month. So literally all these DJs around the world during lockdown. Were like, and they said, the product's still in beta. Do you want it? And everyone went, yes, 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 we do. Um, so I actually did a year and a half or more of virtual parties over, over the whole lockdown period, literally one a day during the day and at night as well. Gosh. And it was actually really good fun.
0: Some extraordinary things went on in lockdown it really did help the population because it, explosion
2: because it yeah it it really helped people stay connected because it was so isolating and people don't like being alone so it literally just the blessings of technology it can be a curse as well but this this time it was an absolute blessing we could just literally get together and literally have a bit of a party every night live live from the conservatory southwest london's only online nightclub
0: um yeah which, I don't know about you, but I, I put on weight during, during lockdown was those sensible ones who followed Joe Wicks and the like. Were, were kind well, of this was the thing. It was on. like
2: day one. Right. It's an opportunity. It's a reset. I'm going to meditate every day. I'm going to take yeah. my walk, do five miles a day. I'm going to eat good food that lasted about three days. By about day three, it's just pour <laughs> that hagen and lager down my throat, just intravenously feed yeah. me it. So I can quite understand. I think we all put on a bit of lockdown bowls, didn't we?
0: Well, we can, the good thing is we can bore our grandkids with, with what was our wartime, in effect, because, you know, I can tell them that it was six weeks before I put petrol in my car. It was bizarre. <laughs> so it's a very strange it was a thing. bizarre
2: thing. Funny story over lockdown. Um, before lockdown, uh, the, my aforementioned radio wife, Nikki, had said... Um, had made a very disparaging comment on the Radio Jackie Breakfast show that uh, my love life could do with something inflatable and a puncture repair kit. Uh, some, which was totally unjustified, I'd like to point out. Uh, one of the listeners so, thought but it's true, re- obviously. Well, uh, well, well, wait for it. Um, no, 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 no. One um, well, needs must. No, actually, no. Um, and I... One of the listeners thought it was funny and then decided to deliver a blow up doll, just a jokey one, not a real one, and a punch of repair kit. So I laughed at it, said it on air, got the customer rollicking from my boss for saying that on air and then went home. This is pre lockdown and put it in the cupboard. Uh, then when I thought I was doing the parties, I thought, right, let's just put it on camera and see what happens. Let's just throw something into the mix and see if I can stir, stir a little stir a little wind up um you know stir a little trouble in a good way um she had a name helga i'm still in a relationship with her on facebook if you go a helga d apostrophe blur helga de blur uh she is in a relationship with me on facebook you can you can check now if you like um and uh, she was on camera then i found that people were using their hourly walk to deliver blow-up dolls to my door so i ended up with a family of seven inflatable dolls oh my in goodness. my house over lockdown including an inflatable sheet because as well and um it had been used in a a movie uh, not a a video sorry a video for uh, a song and i don't know if i can say this in your postcard but it was a 17 inch dildo which was also left on my doorstep which was beautiful so if if (laughs) if the police had busted in thinking i was having one of those parties to try and find me 10 grand they would have found a lone slightly tipsy dj legally broadcasting with a family family of inflatable
0: dolls that was my Even out. Matt Hancock hasn't been down that path, has he? Let's be fair. Well, maybe so, he should. Maybe it would show his more human uh, side. I think he would. Although, you know, he seems to be, you know, he's not been voted out yet, to the best of my knowledge. Um, now, you wouldn't be the first. You're, you've been a stalwart of Radio Jackie for some period of time. Indeed, But yeah. more recently, you decided to step out from behind the desk into the murky waters of stand-up. I mean, what, <laughs> dare I ask, how's it gone so far? And where do you want it to go? Well, I did it because you used to run a stand-up comedy I like, didn't you. I did indeed. Yes. Mm. Did you? Did you enjoy doing it? Mm. Although in the end, you sort of find yourself repeating yourself, and it's it's a lot of organisation. Yeah. I was talking to my good friend Martin Sone about this in a previous interview, and he said exactly the same thing. The people don't realise how much effort there is putting it together, getting acts there. Some, you know, they ring you up on the day, can't make it, so you've got to fill it in. You know, you're spending money and blah blah blah. And I'm very well honed for thinking actually I'm not enjoying this anymore, so I stopped doing it. Yeah. And then went back into radio and various other things. That's the key. So, if
2: you're not enjoying it, stop doing it. Simple as that, yeah. here, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, definitely endorse that. But um again, over lockdown, I met um online some very lovely people that asked me to be on their podcast called Graham and Elaine Blackmore and oh yes and how their comedy club came into being um if you interview them i won't spoil the story for them it's probably not my right to tell it but they don't it's not a secret but how that all came into being is quite extraordinary and what they've built and having the privilege of watching what they've built it's been brilliant because they run the friendliest room and they're so generous with stage time which is absolutely of in inestimable inestimable that value when you when you, you know try easy for you to say pardon easy for you to say that's easy for me to say i was trying see i'm trying to use big words to be impressive and uh, and, yeah. and failed inestimable value inestimable i can say that inestimable value anyway um so they asked me to be on their podcast so i did and then they said come and do 10 <clears> minutes And i'm like whoa i haven't done this for 25 years um but about the same time i'd connected with a friend of mine who i hadn't seen for 30 years and we used to hang around when we were like teenagers and when we were teenagers is the kind of thing you do when you're 17 we used to every time one of our number failed with a girl or with a car or did something stupid which is pretty much daily we'd write a silly song about it sing it to chart a song in the charts at the time and put it on cassette tape which dates it and then play it amongst our mates and there was five of us doing it and one guy called matt was particularly good he, he really could write he just put zingers in. And he, he was naturally a gifted writer, probably without even knowing it. Um, and I said, do you want to do some writing? But this time write about things that everyone can relate to. And he went, yeah. So we did. And so... It's he has a family and a life and doing all sorts of other things. He doesn't want to come out on the comedy circuit, so he writes a lot of the songs. I add bits to it and I take it out on the circuit and perform it, and it's worked really well second time round. Actually, I have to say, I well,
0: have heard a couple of them. I think they're great. Actually, so thank we'll, we'll you. I've we'll got I've got a hot ten,
2: yeah, hot, hot ten minutes. But I, I must give credit to Matt Matt Wilde, because he's a he's a okay. very very if it, if you wanted to be a comedy writer or go and write for Spit Image or something like that, he could easily do it. Very very talented.
0: Well, that's good to know. Um, just a couple of quick things. Uh, you, you said you've, uh, well, it says on your LinkedIn again that you've won two uh, New Act Night Awards. Does that involve you doing as one of those horrendous open mic things where sort no, sword um, of Damocles you know, hanging that above was you? the
2: first time round. That was about 25 years ago. I don't know how I won those, oh, okay. but, but, but I did. Um, it's, as you know, if you've done comedy, it, do, doing it locally, I mean, I, I live about 12 miles out of London, I could headline if you like the Dog and Duck in Richmond with a 20 minute set and it would absolutely storm it. Go 12 miles up the road to Jonglers or the Comedy Store. It's a completely different story. A completely yeah. different story. So I tried 5 minutes at the Comedy Store. Died on my sorry ass. I mean literally it was it was, <laughs> it was tumbleweed it was painful, right? Um <laughs> really really bad. I mean the other open mic so- the other open mic guy there on that night never forget uh, a guy called Patrice uh, a guy called Patrice O'Neill he was already headlining in New York that's what I was up against and yeah, comparing yeah, that Patrice, with kind yeah. of local comedy it, it just did, didn't compare and um, so that was my major dying experience, but we all need one of those, I guess. But then. It's, it's
0: life affirming. It's, uh, it's, it's essential, really. It's not what I thought at the
2: time, but after several beers, it numbed it. Yeah. But then, but then around 25 years on, they were doing uh, 30 years on, whatever. They were doing um, a guy who runs a local club, um, a guy called Math, and he gets a load of great acts in this club. It's called um outside the box comedy because he gets the writers in who write mock the week who want to go and try new stuff so he, he gets some really really good names there he even had robin williams there one night for god's sake wow. in his in his club in <laughs> kingston robin williams i mean wow um yes, I was, quite. sadly before you know robin we, we lost him which was a terrible loss to the or to the world in general not just the world of be comedy, difficult
0: afterwards wouldn't it but let's be fair yes oh, yeah busy. to be
2: fair yeah difficult that'd be that'd be very impressive but um so that's the kind of calibre of acts he gets in there. And I did 10 minutes up there, and I thought... And, of course, I get there. It was a fundraiser for Ukraine, and they're all talking about the store. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm amongst comedy world, This is going to be hard, But I actually stormed it, and I was really pleased. So, oh, Yeah, so quite quite pleased with the hot 10. But it's... Um, yeah, I, I'm not taking it as seriously this time, Nick. I, I wouldn't be gutted if you failed. Yeah, I
0: think that's important. you it adjusts your mindset to do it that way if you feel you've got nothing to lose then you can't be hurt by it really exactly but um be thankful you never came across malcolm hardy up the creek which is my i did Club. i know oh
2: malcolm hardy is legendary and i did come across yeah. malcolm hardy from up the creek oh, did. i did the spot up there as
0: well and that was rather difficult. oh dear yeah he he had, he was legendary because he, he would come on stage even if somebody had a really difficult time and they're almost coming off stage crying he'd go that was shit, wasn't it? And so, is it true that he pissed on someone in the front row? Oh, probably. I didn't see it that night, but he—he uh, he used to live on a boat the other side of the river from me. That's what I he heard used the to. Spot after you, he actually. Yeah, no, I was going to say he rowed back to his boat one night and was never seen again. Yes, that's what allegedly I he had a grand in his pocket as well. No he had really a lot of lot of dosh in his pocket. I well, look, Neil, I, I'm really sorry to bring this to a, a conclusion, but. Um, uh, we need to move on, but look, I, I, I'll perhaps I'll come in and see you in the studio one day. Would be very nice, and and you'd be very come welcome to the, we uh, do on the breakfast there. at the Italian cafe next door. You'd be very welcome to come and. Oh, well, that's a, that's that's a done deal. Neil Long, thank you so much. I'll see you very soon. Take it's care. Lovely to meet you. Thank you for having me on.
1: The Sunday Miller. You wouldn't have to listen to this nonsense if you were in
0: church. It may have come as some surprise that Vladimir Putin didn't turn up at the G20 summit this week, but then, mind you, he didn't turn up for I'm a celebrity or children in need either, unless that was him in the bear outfit, I'm not sure, but he's just a bailout. So he sent his defence minister, Sergei Lavrov, in his place. You know the one, he, he's the guy with an arsehole where his face should be. It, that old expression, a face like a bulldog licking piss off a nettle, defines this particular specimen perfectly if you can't think what he looks like google him sergey lavrov or just type in miserable russian bastard rumor has it he puts himself through all forms of personal abuse in order to reinforce that finely honed sour expression i believe that involves the usual masochistic tropes having his wet nipples hot wired to a car battery shoving ferrets down his tracksuit bottoms and watching endless repeats of mrs brown's boys Is it it any wonder he's developed this this cruel demeanour? It it was widely reputed that uh, on arrival at the G20 summit, he had to be rushed to hospital with a heart attack. But in fact, the Russian media got that one wrong. That's next February, just after someone bumps off Putin.
1: It's the Sunday Miller.
0: Now, as well as it being King Charles' 74th birthday this week, he's also managed to get a new job. I think it's part of the new initiative by Jeremy Hunt in the Autumn Statement, that if you're on state benefits, which in effect the royal family are, you now have to periodically check in with what they're calling a job coach to prove that you're trying to find gainful employment. So Charles has now officially taken over as the Ranger of Windsor Great Park. He's taken over the role 70 years after his father, the Duke of Edinburgh, was appointed to the post. Now, I'm quoting here, the the ranger of the Great Park offers insight and guidance to the deputy ranger and his team in the day-to-day stewardship of one of the country's oldest landed estates. Now, to be fair, it's a a fairly cushy gig, but there are a few challenges as it's home not only to a herd of red deer and a number of longhorn cattle which tend to roam around, but also, of course, to Prince Andrew, who's now living feral among the native oaks. Uh, (laughs) There is actually a strangely connected story which popped up this week about rangers. Prince Charles, as he was then, I think this is 2017, but it might be before that. Um, Prince Charles, as he was then, was once turned down for a table at a Glasgow restaurant on a Saturday night because the Rangers football squad were eating there. Former Ibrox star and Man United star, I might add, Andre Kanchelskis, has revealed how he was stunned when he and his teammates were given priority over the future king. Charles' representatives had apparently gone in to request a table, but the owner told them they were fully booked. What? (laughs) So so that's why we bumped into him that night in Kebab World.
1: Run for the hills. It's the Sunday (laughs) Miller.
0: Now, unless you've been living in a remote jungle in Australia for the past week or so, you'll be aware that I'm a celebrity's back on the telly in a remote jungle in Australia after two years of being stuck in a freezing cold, derelict castle in north wales or wherever it was when the uh, pandemic prevented the cast and crew from traveling but anton deck who of course have fronted the hit show i, I did say hit show uh, i know there's a, there's a controversial mp in it uh, they've presented the show for the past 20 years but they're facing their annual backlash from the animal charity petter which probably stands for probably eat turkey anyway they believe that the presenters are complicit to cruelty to animals on the show and it's hard not to sympathise. It has to be considered cruel to put rats and snakes in a coffin with Matt Hancock. I'm not getting in there with him. I may rip open bins looking for food waste, but I'd draw the line of eating a Tory. Of course, the suggestion that it's cruel to animals is all bollocks, really. Well, it's not all bollocks. Sometimes it's anus or fish eyes. Well, that's it for another week. Thank you very much for listening. We've got some great guests coming up over the next few weeks, including the always controversial and incessantly hilarious stalwart of the GB News headliners' press review, Neo Keirce. And next week, the legend they call Simon Fanshawe, of whom there is much more to tell than simply being an excellent stand-up. He's a truly stand-up sort of guy, quite frankly. Now, remember, you may not agree with some of my opinions, but I'll always listen to yours. And in this polarised, divided world, please don't cancel anyone. They may just have a point about to tell you what's in next week's podcast but i can't because the news hasn't happened yet see you next time the sunday miller is written and presented by nick miller